Today's uh, scripture reading will be coming from uh, the book of Psalms, chapter 23. Uh, if you're following along on your pew Bibles, that's, page, that's found on page 491, 491. Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can you imagine being out in the pasture when this lamb was born? Can you imagine if the very first two beings that this lamb saw was a shepherd and his mother? The old world order of shepherding was literally for the shepherd to live out among the sheep. Today in our modern times, there's a new approach to shepherding. It's a hands-off approach. It's where the sheep live out in the field with the dog. And the dog protects them during the day. And the shepherd goes out once or twice a day and checks the sheep. But you see, back in the old times when so many of the Old Testament writers and even Jesus Christ would have spoke about shepherding they would have been talking about the times where shepherds were there when the lamb was born. Shepherds were there as the lamb was growing. And when that lamb got caught in the thicket, the shepherd was there to pull that lamb to safety. And when dogs, or as David, the psalmist said, a lion or a bear came to endanger the sheep, The shepherd was there to protect them. This lamb was born here just a few days ago in Wilson County. Several of you would probably know of the Ligon Farm out on Highway 70 just before you get to Hermitage, still in Wilson County. As a matter of fact, this lamb was born on one of the oldest family farms here in Wilson County. It is the oldest family farm. 220 years the farm has been in the Ligon family. This lamb's parents have white bodies and black faces. And so this lamb, although his body is dark now, his body will become white and his face or her face will remain black. When you look at this little creature, I wish I could set her down, but I'm afraid she'd run off and we'd make a spectacle trying to catch her again. I'll set her down in just a moment for just a second and then I'll... Ask the trusty shepherd of the morning, David Minton, to catch her when she runs, okay? <laughs> but in a moment, when I, set her, when I set her down, I want you to be thinking about this. Why the analogy of sheep so many times in the, in the Bible? Sheep are not fast. They can't outrun their predators. Sheep do not have sharp teeth. Sheep do not have sharp claws. 
Sheep do not have coils like a porcupine. Sheep do not have venom like a snake or poisonous bite like a spider. Sheep are wholly dependent upon the shepherd. If they're going to find the pasture they need throughout a lifetime, they're going to have to depend upon the shepherd. If they're going to find the safe water to drink for a lifetime, they're going to have to depend upon the shepherd. If they're going to be protected, they're going to have to depend upon the shepherd. And so this little fragile lamb at the end of the day, or the end of this morning, we won't turn this lamb loose and just hope that it finds its way, but we'll take it back to Mr. Ligon, and he'll take care of this little creature. If you would be open your Bibles to Matthew, the ninth chapter, I'd like for us to spend the first little bit of our lesson there thinking about a statement that Jesus made about sheep and shepherd and then go back to the beautiful, beautiful passage that we just looked at in Psalm, the 23rd chapter. What do people look like who have lost their way? What do people look like who is just written all over their life that they're weary, they're tired, they can't find purpose, they can't find motivation, they cannot find direction, they have far more questions than they have answers in life and they're looking everywhere. Jesus looked at individuals that looked that way and he says, you know what? You look like sheep without a shepherd. I'd like for you to think of that phrase and I'd just real quickly want to remind you of some things that led up to Jesus saying that in Matthew the ninth chapter. At the beginning of Matthew the ninth chapter, there was a man who was paralyzed and four others brought him to Jesus. And, and Jesus was going to heal this man, but he first wanted to heal him spiritually. So he says, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes standing around were, they said, that's blasphemy. A man can't say your sins are forgiven. And, and so he says, well, what would be easier to say? Take up your bed and walk or your sins are forgiven. And so he healed the man physically and then proved that he healed the man spiritually. Others were excited, but the scribes were frustrated. Why? Even though they were some of the most religious people of that day, they were like sheep without a shepherd. Listen to me, brethren. Jesus makes it very clear that a lot of religious people still have not found their shepherd. And then we read on a little further and, and the very next paragraph of all people, Jesus calls Matthew the tax collector to follow him. Matthew would have been, according to reputation, a heathen. He would have been a man of, of little integrity. He would have been a downright thief in many people's book. And he is so excited to learn of Jesus and ask Jesus to come meet all of his friends. And the Pharisees, very religious people, look at that and say, I can't, talking to some of Jesus' followers, I can't believe that your leader is eating and drinking with sinners. And Jesus heard that and he explained to them, they that are well do not need a physician, but they that are sick. 
It is from there that Jesus turns and resurrects Jairus' daughter. He heals the woman that for 12 years had been struggling with the issue of blood. He looks at two other men that have been blind and gives them sight. And he looks over at another individual that was mute. He cast out the demon and allowed that man to speak again. And it's with that being said that we read verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages. Now some scholars say that this was probably as many as 200 cities and villages. So you imagine how busy Jesus was, and you can imagine how it was almost a rapid approach to these places. He didn't stay around these places for months and months. He would have quickly gone into town, and you say, he must have been very focused. What did he do when he went into town? Look for the I-N-G endings on three of these words. This is what he did. Number one, teaching in their synagogues. Number two, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Number three, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Teaching in the synagogues. Jesus is all about us learning. We need to learn that there is a better way to live than what the world offers. We need to learn that there is a shepherd that offers a wonderful guidance to those that are willing to be his sheep. We need to learn about a shepherd that cares, a shepherd that guides, a shepherd that provides. But also we learn that he preached about the kingdom. You see, the kingdom is also the flock. Christ is head of the church, the chief shepherd of the flock. And then also we see the power. We see the power in that all kind of diseases and sickness were healed. But I'd like for you to notice what we've already mentioned in 36. But when he saw, look what Jesus did. He saw the multitude. Why? Because he cared about people. He was moved with compassion for them. Why? Because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Perhaps some in this room... Many of our neighbors, they're looking for something. They know that there has to be more in life than what they found. Some only turn to friends. Some only turn to self-help books. Some just constantly look within. Some continually go to doctors. Some turn to substances. Some go overboard in hobbies or work as a volunteer in the community, not simply because they want to help people, but because they are looking for something to fulfill that void in life. Jesus looks at people. It's not that they didn't have a life, but they were tired. They were perplexed. They couldn't find the answers to life. And it broke Jesus' heart. And Jesus says, you're so tired and you're so scattered. You remind me of what sheep look like when they've lost their shepherd. Can you imagine that little lamb? Can you imagine, and we wouldn't want to do this, but can you imagine if if we just videoed that lamb and we watched it over the next day or two struggle to find its mother, to find its shepherd? And can you imagine that just in a matter of a day or two, 
that lamb would die. Either a dog would chase it to death or something else would gnaw into its body or sheer hunger would overtake the lamb. Listen. If I do not have the Lord as my shepherd, I'm dying. Spiritually, I'm dying. I cannot make it without the shepherd. Think of the change that the shepherd makes in our life. Go with me, if you will, to the 23rd Psalm. And let's spend the last part of this lesson. You know that the 23rd Psalm is just full of great teachings about the shepherd, but also in that are great teaching for sheep. But I'd like for us to just look at three things about the shepherd. We looked at last week, does God have the credentials to be your shepherd? This week, I'd like for us to ask this simple question. What are the characteristics of him as a shepherd? In other words, what does he bring to the table for me? Not just can he do it, but if he does it, how does that benefit us? And in this 23rd Psalm that's read more than any other chapter in all of the Bible, it's written by none other than a shepherd. As a matter of fact, David was the son of a shepherd. He was a shepherd. He was a courageous shepherd. He very likely could have been sitting under the stars at night with his sheep and with his lambs as he penned these words, which ironically could have been a thousand years later some of the very same fields that the angels would have come to other shepherds to announce that Jesus Christ was born. Let me give you glad tidings. Remember last week, Isaiah 40, we're supposed to stand on the highest mountaintop and give glad tidings that behold, our God And then a thousand years from Psalm 23, there were angels talking to shepherds saying, let me give you glad tidings. In the city of David, a Savior is born. What is it? What is it that David recognized about shepherding that he saw as beautiful characteristics of the great shepherd? Let's read the first few lines here of the 23rd Psalm. And I'd like for you to notice that phrase, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Isn't it awesome to be at a point where you are not wanting If you have sheep that that do not have a good shepherd, they stay in a sense of wanting. They look about and they see sheep that are taken care of and they don't have enough pasture. They see sheep that have the water that they need and they don't have the water. They see sheep that are being protected and they don't have the protection. Now notice this. David speaks of the great shepherd, the true shepherd. And he says, I don't want. Why? Number one, he's providing all of my needs. And somebody says, now you mean to tell me you really don't want things? Now, this is probably going to be a challenge for a lot of us here. We won't develop this now, but we sure need to think about it. If we truly do have the Lord as our shepherd, we become content. We're content in the fact that we know He is providing everything that we need. And so when the Lord becomes our shepherd, truly our shepherd, He provides and we are content. And we can honestly join David in saying, 
The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I want to challenge you, if you're not there yet, I want to challenge you to study about that. And I want to challenge you to pray about that. I want to challenge you to read Philippians, the third and the fourth chapter, and think about the contentment that we can have when we really allow the Lord to be our shepherd. Notice the three things that he does here. He leads me, or he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Now, if you think that what that's talking about, and any of us that's been around livestock understand this, and if you haven't, let me give you just a little tip. Like when that little lamb was laying there, or was standing there, it doesn't mean that he comes along and he forces you to lay down. Content animals lay down during the day and they rest. Animals that are never getting enough nourishment They are constantly up scavenging around for the next bite. They're constantly looking through the fence for for other means because they're not being provided enough. When he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and he makes me to lie down in green pastures, he's literally saying, when the Lord is my shepherd, I find times that it's easy to lie down and rest because I'm not having to scavenge for my needs. He provides for me, and sheep can't swim. And so they have to be taken to waters that are not deep and fast running. He's going to take me to the pasture I need. He's going to lead me to the water I need. But then if there's any doubt as to whether or not this is a spiritual message, yes, the Old Testament speaks frequently of grace. He restores my soul. What a beautiful Beautiful, beautiful offering that God makes to us. We don't deserve it. But listen to me, brethren. We can't have contentment until we have allowed Him to restore our soul. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. But let's notice the next lines about the shepherd guiding us. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Listen, if I'm going to enjoy all of the care that the Lord offers as a shepherd, I also have to realize that he offers guidance and I have to decide if I'm going to follow his lead. The Lord does not invite us into his fold and then build a wall around us that we cannot get out of. There's not a a huge, powerful electric fence or some kind of barbed wire or woven wire fence around us as Christians. And we say, I want to live a worldly life, but God just won't let me. God is all about relationships. He wants you to love him enough that you'll stay with him. Now let's get this. It's, It's pretty simply said, isn't it? When he says there, he leads me in the paths of righteousness, where does he lead? Let's state it. If it could be any simpler than that, I don't know if this is any simpler, but let's try it. He leads me down the right path. It's that simple. There are a lot of other paths in life. And the Lord as a shepherd doesn't lead down those other paths. Now, we can say, but look at all those people out there. They look like they're having a ball. I I would like to go out there. And the Lord would say, I don't lead people out there. That's not really good for you. That'll hurt you out there. I'm trying to protect you. 
We'd say, Lord, that pasture sure looks greener over there. And he'd say, that's a deception. I assure you that Satan is lying to you. I don't lead down that path. Lust of the eyes, he doesn't lead down that path. Lust of the flesh, he doesn't lead down that path. The pride of life, I think I know better than God. He doesn't lead down the paths that men and women would think are best. Listen, our Lord is the shepherd that leads us down the right path every time. It's a path that's going to lead to all of the nourishment and provisions that we need. And that's the only path he'll lead us down. Now notice, not only do we have the beauty that it's the right path, but then we have the beauty of who's in that path. You remember 1 John 1 and 7, if we walk in the light, that's the pathway. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Now let's pause there for just a moment. What, what do we have when we walk in the right path? We have fellowship with the shepherd. He's in the path. And we have fellowship with other people that love the shepherd that's also walking in the path. Another tremendous reason to allow the Lord to guide us is that the company is awesome. That's why later he can say, for you are with me. I want you to go back in your mind's eye to when you were a child. And if you had the privilege of having a loving parent in your life, I want you to imagine the times where maybe you got into a crowd and you felt a little bit uncomfortable. And what would you naturally do? As a little child, you reached up and... You grabbed your parents' hand. Maybe you were with them and and something scared you. You reached over and you grabbed your parents' hand. Maybe it was at night and something scared you and you called out, "Can, can you just come to my room? You know what, brethren? As long as we're following our shepherd, you are with me and you comfort me. But we close with the last part. Notice his provisions. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What provisions? Now it's almost as if the psalmist has kind of left behind the shepherding notion because now instead of talking about pasture, he talks about a table. The enemy is always around us. The enemy always wants our soul. But we don't have to live in constant fear that we are being overtaken at any moment. Instead, we can sit down at the Lord's table. That's fellowship. Fellowship with God, fellowship with His church. We can come into fellowship and we can sit at His table. And even though the enemy surrounds us, we're okay. Why? Because we're with the Lord. As long as we're with Him, we're comforted. We're safe. We enjoy His provisions. He even anoints our head with oil. I'd like for you to also note there, if you were going to say, that verse 6 is a personification of goodness and of mercy. Think what this would look like. You have the loving shepherd. And you are following the loving shepherd. So the loving shepherd, then you are following the loving shepherd. And who's following you? According to this picture here, this word picture creates the shepherd, you, and then right behind you is the personification of 
goodness, and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. What a description. Someone says, you you just seem content. You seem to have a good life. I do have a good life. My Lord's my shepherd, and ever since he's been my shepherd, my cup runs over. He is so good to me. Oh, you seem to be at peace. Oh, I am. You know why? It's because I'm forgiven. My Lord is my shepherd, and his mercy is so great, my cup runs over. And because our cup runs over, as Bud Lambert would say, we have enough to slosh around on everybody else. Our cups runs over, so you know what? We can give that goodness to everybody we run into. Somebody says, how can you be good to them? They were rude to you. Oh, it's easy. I I have plenty to share. Look how good God's been to me. It's not about them. It's about my God. My cup runs over. How can you forgive them? Do you know what they said about you yesterday? Listen, I can forgive them. My cup of forgiveness runs over. Look how much forgiveness God's given me. I don't forgive them because what they did. I forgive them because of my shepherd and how he just keeps filling my cup with goodness and mercy. Friends, there's just nothing, nothing, no one like the Lord. When the Lord is our shepherd, we truly can be content to where we can say, I shall not want. The Lord is our shepherd. We have a guide that he leads us everywhere that is right in the best of company. When the Lord is our shepherd, He provides for us so much that we have an abundance to share of goodness and mercy with everyone else. And you know what that final provision is? Jesus said it this way in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. But the psalmist here said, And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David, you like being a shepherd? I think David would have said, I loved it. David, you're going to stay out in the shepherd's fields forever? No. I'm going to go indoors one of these days. Indoors? I didn't picture a guy like you going indoors. Oh, yes. Yes. I'm going to live in my father's house forever. little three-year-old class was getting ready for a program before their parents. And so they'd been working on reciting the 23rd Psalm. And the first little boy of the class got up and he was so nervous that finally all he could get out is he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And that's all I know. Wouldn't it be awesome? If everybody here this morning could at least say that. The Lord is my shepherd. There's no life like the life that the shepherd offers. His care, his guidance, and his provisions surpass our imagination. The world makes a flash in the pan... And the world looks appealing, but I assure you,
It's not what it appears. And yet everything God offers is even far greater than it appears. This morning, if you're not a sheep in the shepherd's flock, you're missing. You're missing out on the greatest life that there is to live. This morning, if you are a sheep in the shepherd's flock, I hope that you're reminded. I hope that you're reminded enough that sometime this afternoon or tonight you'll have just a talk with God about how grateful you are to be in His flock. If you need to be restored this morning, if you're ready to be immersed into Christ, or if we can simply pray for you for other reasons, if we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.